0: Hello, and thank you for joining the Walk Weekly Podcast. On this week's episode, uh, we're going to continue with our financial wealth series. This is part three uh, with Walter Richardson, who's a financial advisor and CEO of Richardson Wealth Management out at Los Angeles. All right, before we proceed, I just want to give you a little bit about Walter. All right, Walter Richardson is a financial advisor with over 20 years of experience. He is the CEO and founder of Richardson Wealth Management, a financial planner and investment firm located in Los Angeles, California. He has previously held senior professional positions at Prudential Securities, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, and the Private Wealth Group. So with that said, here we want to welcome Mr. Walter Richardson. Hello, Walt. Thank you Thank for you. joining.
1: Thank you. How are you?
0: Not bad. Not bad. Good. All right. So this, this, this week's episode, we're going to talk about what being a black father taught you about <laughs> investing. So let's go there.
1: All right. We're going to go there. Um, well, first of all, um, for any man out there that has the opportunity to be a father, that is a blessing in itself, right? What being a father will cause you to do is to look at life different. And when it comes to investments and how you handle money, that, that's top of the game. That's top of the list. And you have to start by obviously putting together a budget. We always start with a budget. Then we start with a plan, Right okay where where is it that you want to go where do you want this child to go how do you perceive this child living their life are they going to be a college student are they going to need money for school for college what happens if you know if you're the breadwinner in the family if something happens to you how will they pay for these costs college in america continues to go up at phenomenal rates Uh, even your city college and your community colleges are you going to have your child be educated in the public school system? Will you be using charter schools? Will you be using private schools? So all this has to, you know, un- unfortunately, we're not taught to think that way as black fathers. We're taught to work and we work and we pay our bills. And if there's some left over, we, we may put some aside or we may go on vacation. Um, but we're we're, we're generally not taught to have an emergency fund or to have a college education fund. My suggestion to any new father is when you find out that your significant other is going to have a baby, you need to open an account and start putting money in in that account.
0: Okay. You're coming Um, in a little low, Walt. Could you, uh, adjust your body? Sure. Is that better? Yes much better
1: okay you, you you need to let me let me go back into that it's a blessing to be a father uh, and you and you have to plan for it just like any other life event right except this life event you're actually planning a life and I know when we were growing up, my mother and father always said, we wanted you guys to have it better than we had it, so how did they do that? They were very intuitive when it came to life insurance when it came to um protecting the assets that they work for, uh, homeowner's insurance, long-term care policies. These are all the things that will or could alter any inheritance that a child may have. Uh, I I talked to my my buddy who's a a probate attorney, and his theory is is that African-Americans lose more money in probate than they lose in the stock market. How could that be? That's because 70% of African Americans don't have wills. And that is from an article on uh, I believe the New York Times had that article and I think Forbes ran a similar article. 70% don't have wills. That means 70% of African American families aren't planning for the everything that we I mean what we know is going to happen, we're going to die. We're all going to die. If 70% don't plan for it, how many of those 70% are, are in probate? You know, at least another 70% of the 70% are in probate. What is probate? Probate is when the state decides what happens to, your, to your, uh, your, everything you worked for, your assets. And they have to hire a probate uh, officer uh, who is all, usually an attorney that will charge you to figure out your grandma or your mother's will. And then you need a probate attorney to represent you so who, who who's this sound like making the money here the attorneys yes right you could be in probate there's no time limit for probate i know my dad's will was in probate for seven or eight years for no reason and the, and the lawyer kept charging us and until we you know to one day i decided to figure this thing out and close this estate so being a father you, you really have to step up, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy to say this, but you really do have to step up and you have to, you know, I don't want to give relationship advice, but women are attracted to men who are leaders.
0: <laughs> I and know that. Now, the reason I laugh, Walt, I do not mean, I'm not <laughs> laughing at you. I'm laughing because of what you said and, I, and the implications uh, of what you said, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So- and, and, and and for some men it's tough to be a leader because you weren't taught to be a leader you were taught to be a worker and a follower but and leading is not yelling at people leading is not putting your hands on people leading is not forcing somebody to do something they don't want to do leading is looking at a situation coming up with a very strong strategy and having The rest of your family buy into it and everybody agreeing to to reach that same goal together. Right. Agreeing to work together. That's what a leader does. You know, I I have a movie background and working on some movie sets. They would always say this director, he's he's a great director, but he's really not a great director. He's got great people around him. He's got the best special effects effects person around him. He's got the best assistant director around him. He's got the best camera operator. He's got the best cinematographer. So yeah, so he's a great director because he's directing them. But he's, 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 he, he's a great leader, right? Just like uh, any CEO of a great company. They don't force people. They don't yell at people. They don't beat people. They don't make them do things they're recognized for their strategy and their leadership. As men, when we have children, we have to start planning. We have to start putting money away. We have to let the other people in the family know that, you know, we have a new member, the budgets are gonna start cutting down. You know, we're gonna cut the budget down a little bit. We gotta go out and make more money. Uh, Uh, Do
0: you equate leadership with being the head of the household?
1: uh, No, and I'll tell you why. My mother was the head of the household in our house, because I lost my father at a very young age. But me and my brother were the leaders. A- a- at some point, we had become the leaders. Right. But she had all she she was like Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, you go to her and you get the knowledge. You get what you need to do to go out there and do what you have to do. So, you know, she was the head of the household. And she was somewhat the leader also. But if somebody came and threatened the household, my brother took care of that. <laughs> you oh,
0: know? so you had a head of security, too. Right? <laughs> yeah, he
1: was more like the head of security. And <laughs> yeah, but, but it, 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 you know, and leadership doesn't, you know, and I, leadership is not a man or a woman's job. Right? right. But I will say this. If you're having children and you're a man, then... You are expected to step up. Most of the time, women are stepping up just by uh, instinct, right? They're going to prepare the room. They're going to make sure the diapers are there. They're going to make sure that the, 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 the right doctor is in place. They're going to do all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And you have your position where you, every family's dynamic may be different, but you know what you're supposed to do. Okay. Excuse me. You and know what would
0: me. you call some of the... And I do want to revisit the will thing that we talked about, probate. Right. Okay? And I know that varies from state to state. Okay? But being in New York, I'm just using New York State as an okay. example. All right? As a basis for... You know, what well, I'm my father's
1: do. will was probated in New York, so go for All it. All right.
0: So <laughs> could you tell me... Probate is automatic before any assets can be transferred from the estate to the uh, beneficiary. Is that correct?
1: Well, well, if you don't have a will, right, and you have assets that aren't in the will, and you don't have a good attorney that can that can say, well, he's only ha- he only has a wife, so everything passes through to the wife, right? There's there's different situations where you could wind up in probate because of back taxes things of this nature the government wants to make sure they get their money before any of this property is dished out right when you don't have a will nine times out of ten you you're gonna wind up in probate okay. um there are situations where there's beneficiaries on certain assets right that's why i tell all my clients every year we're going to revisit your beneficiaries assets that don't have beneficiaries could wind up in probate. This is really a legal question for a legal attorney, um, and and you know maybe one day we can get my attorney on here and we can we can have a a bigger conversation about this. But I will say this: the clients and the people. I just talked to a bunch of people in Inglewood, California, over the weekend. Um, the lack of planning in the average African American household is atrocious. It is absolutely. It, it, it is the biggest crisis when you so. So here, check check this out, Walt. We're talking about generational wealth, right? That's all I hear. I hear generational wealth everywhere I go. Any black event I go to generational wealth, generational wealth, generational wealth. Right. Do you have a will? No. Does your mother have a will? No. How can these assets pass from generation to generation if you haven't planned for them to do so?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. All right, so uh, I'm thinking, and I'm trying to think like my uh, like the audience would think and question you along those lines. Okay. All right, so we, we covered probate pretty much. All right, and I think if one thing I found out while while I was researching for this for this podcast, going back and looking at you know the state of the African America. African-American, and it's very bad. You know, we're at the bottom, bottom, bottom of the ladder. Right. And to be be, be quite, you know, perfectly honest, reading this research, and I've encountered this, you know, throughout the the duration of this podcast, if I was just starting out and I would read this, all right, the facts of how we're being discriminated against and the obstacles uh, in our way, Blocking success, even at the education level, you know you right. go to a college and you go to a white college and you not and you could build a discrimination of what people go through and a lot of male, especially with black males, they don't graduate because of systemic racism, okay so I think what I'm trying to say is it's damn hard for a black man in this country it's hard we both know that, okay but as a person with a 30-year, 40-year work history, uh, you know, in terms of my, my occupation, okay, I was, I wouldn't say I was lucky. It was just that I was smarter and I was educated. You know, I had my master's and all this. Education helped me push through because it kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. Right. Okay? A little bit. Right. Okay, so... As I read all of this stuff, I mean, now, and you know, since I've had this podcast for the last five years, is that there's no way in the world I could have gotten to where I'm at now in life if I read this material or this research that I've been reading over the last few years about how we are treated in society and the well, obstacles that we're up against.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Well, we, we know we're up against these obstacles, Right. I'm going to be honest with you. My perspective might be a little different, and I'll tell you why. All right. When my mother was young, she was picking blueberries and cranberries in South Jersey in the field. They drove her out on the bus, and her and her friends would go pick these uh, blueberries for hours on end, eating sardines out of a can for lunch. My father grew up in North Carolina on a sawmill they would they would they were cutting down trees and selling the wood and growing and then they had another area where they were growing tobacco working in the fields my father had a seventh grade education came to New York City learned culinary arts got together with another person opened a bakery in Queens and bought his first apartment building in the Bronx right father didn't have a college education my father graduated. My, my father didn't graduate high school. My mother, on the other hand, she went to William Patterson College, got her degree, got a master's degree in education. When she went to do that, my grandfather was in jail. He couldn't pay for her college. She worked in a linen supply in Patterson, New Jersey, folding, ironing, and washing linens to pay her way to go through college. So when you talk to me about what's hard, and what these kids have that's hard out here nowadays, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little biased because I, work, I, I did go back down south with my uncle. I did pick tobacco. I did pick cucumbers in the summertime. When I was going to college in New York during the summer, I worked for a guy named Joe Mealy, an Italian who had a garbage truck. I'm hanging on the back of the garbage truck, throwing garbage into the can. I mean, into the back of the truck with junkies by the way, who had went to Vietnam and came back and were hooked on heroin. And we would pick them up on the George Washington Bridge and, and do a a, route, a garbage route in Fort Lee with Vietnam veterans that the government had thrown away who were junkies. Okay. One of them died from HIV, from AIDS. Right. So these are the, so I, I've worked, I, I didn't, I didn't start off as a financial advisor for Morgan Stanley, you know, we all have to come up different routes, different ways, different, different means of different ways of survival, right? The young kids nowadays, there are more opportunity now than there's ever been for African-Americans. I take part in uh, an organization, the Black Entertainment Sports Lawyers Association. Every year they have young kids, young adults that are going to law school and they help them. They help them, they give them money. The John Langston Law Association, there's all kind of associations. The UCLA black alumni, I, I've given money to them to help black undergrads get through UCLA. There's more opportunity now than ever. So when you in, until you hang on the back of a garbage truck and, and have to pick up somebody's feces and dirty diapers with your bare hands, you can't complain to me.
0: You know? I, I, I see.
1: I'm just going to be honest with you. You you really can't complain to me because I've I've been, you know, I used to go to the Meadowlands. There used to be a transfer station over in the Meadowlands. I don't know if you remember all the garbage trucks used to go down the turnpike and we would dump these trucks at the transfer station. When you're inside that transfer station, it smells like pure hell. okay? but we I had to make money. My mom is paying for what she's paying for. My brother's paying for his stuff. I got paid for my stuff, right? No one's. There was no handout.
0: Well, so that's what I made birds to. Yeah, uh,
1: there, so there are no there's, handouts. There's no handouts. I no. mean, there's, there, there's, there's. If you put forth the effort, there's a place that will, that could help you with your book money. Maybe, maybe get get you a scholarship. You know, if you work hard enough, maybe get a scholarship. But the reason why I had to do that is because, you know, we didn't have the financial planning knowledge we had. If we did, we would have accumulated more assets. My mother and father would have accumulated more assets. And we would have more money. But when my dad passed away, we ran into a situation where we didn't want to lose our house. My brother had to work. I started working. So my mother didn't have to give us any money. We didn't we were self-sufficient. So it was like she was paying for one, you know, She had a house with three people that were working, even though I was, what, 13, 14, but I had to work. And so we were able to survive, you know, very well because we me and my brother were self-sufficient.
0: Okay. All right. So with my kids, I can only use my household as an example. Mm -hmm. you, You indicated that, you know, we always want more for our kids than we had. Okay. And. My kids are both homeowners now, all right? For a few years, they've been homeowners. Actually, they beat me. I bought my house when I was 39. They bought their homes when they were like 34.
1: Right. Which is all excellent. Right? That, that's excellent.
0: So when I tell them in my will, when we went over, now I do have a will, done it a few years back, actually, Michelle was is, is, was one of the uh, witnesses to my will, Okay, you know, the signing of my will. And... The thing is, is that, you know, the kids now, and, you know, specific to my two kids, Mm -hmm. they have their homes. But I have my house now, a big house, five bedrooms, colonial, you know. Okay. And they don't want my house. Right. I'm going to ask you, all right, if you got, if you, and and I'd say, look, I'm passing the house out, you know, first to your mother and your mother, go from there, pass it Mm -hmm. on to you. And the first thing they tell me is, "Oh, well dad, I you know, I got my own house. I don't need your house." Right. So what do you recommend in a situation like that?
1: <laughs> what I recommend you do is just from the little information that you gave me. Right. Um how important is this house to you? Do you love this house? Do you want to stay in this house to the day you die?
0: Uh that depends. I mean, you know, it changes you know depending on where you are mm-hmm. on the time scale for example mm-hmm. at one time I wanted you know when I bought this house 30 to be 32 years I've well, been 30, 31 years in October October 1st meant 31 years I've been here okay all right and when I bought this house I said yeah this is where I want to die at okay okay but then as time went by playing golf and this and that okay I want to retire it where there's a lot of golf courses. Actually, I want to buy a condo on the golf course. In Florida? No, no, no. no. North Carolina or South Carolina.
1: Okay, well, yeah, okay. Where, where the cost of living is cheaper. That was my point. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, it depends on on, on what the situation is. It's situational. But I think I I, I I don't see anything different now. So I got this house, and... I, I've always... Let me just put a caveat there. Okay. Property is... Real estate is wealth. That's right. Okay? And I can't see myself, on the one hand, selling this house, because my kids got a house, so therefore, you know... But on the other hand, I want to stay here until the day I die. Right. All right? So, I'm, I, you know, what do you do in a situation like that?
1: Well... um,
0: What do you recommend that I do, for example? Use me as a guinea pig.
1: Well, if I was to use you as a guinea pig, I would have to ask you a little more questions. But from what I'm hearing, does this this house have stairs in it?
0: Yep. It's, It's a colonial.
1: Okay. So first of all, you're a single man. I don't think you need five bedrooms.
0: I'm not single. I'm just my wife and I.
1: Oh, it's your wife and you. Okay. Okay. So that makes a difference. That makes a difference. Um, but still, five bedrooms for two people, I don't know. Um, I think if you want to move down to North Carolina and and, 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 and uh, downsize, the, the housing market right now, the prices are starting to come down because interest rates are so high. Right. But this still is a good time to be a seller to get a good, fair price for your home. In a couple of months – we're predicting that home prices, well, they're already starting to come down now. So this is the beginning of the, of, the, of the home prices coming down. If you wanted to move to North Carolina, I would start looking for homes in North Carolina to find the one that you want and then take a look and see how much you can get for your property here. How much is the property in North Carolina? Then you would do a uh, an exchange, right? So you do an exchange where you don't have to pay capital gains, ah, right? Because you're okay. doing a, an exchange. Uh, All right. Like- explain
0: an exchange
1: for me? Okay, so you would be doing a, a, a excuse me an in kind real estate purchase, right? And I'm gonna get the exact number for you. Uh you would be doing a, a like purchase for a like purchase, right? Um it has to be a, a residential home for a residential home.
0: Um, ah well let's right? say one let's say the original or the source, which I refer to my house as source. And the target is a the house they own in North Carolina. So they, the valuation should be a close. That's what you're saying.
1: They, they don't have to be close. It's a 1031 exchange. Um, but you could exchange the amount of the new house. Um, you would have to talk to a tax attorney and see what the rules are in North Carolina. But, you know, to the best of my knowledge, there's no limits on the amount of capital gains from the sale of investment real estate properties that can be protected from taxes using the 1031 exchange. So instead of paying capital gains tax on your home, you're exchanging if you if you found them for the same price, you'd exchange one for the other and it'd be no capital gains. Uh, OK. And so that's the best way. You know, that's what I would start doing. I would start looking, you know, for instance, if you let's say your house is worth seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, you know, maybe even more than that. You're in New York. So let's just call it a million dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. And the house you're looking for in North Carolina, maybe that's half a million dollars. So for that half a million dollars, you wouldn't have to pay capital gains when someone bought your house. But for the remaining amount, you would because you didn't exchange that. You would have to exchange it a million for a million. But the reason why I use half a million is because I believe in North Carolina for half a million dollars, you could probably find yourself a really nice house.
0: You know, <laughs> on, on a
1: golf course, you know.
0: Well, I, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But so, exchange, you, what do you call that exchange 1031?
1: It's a 1031 exchange. You want to talk to your tax attorney about it. And that's how you avoid uh, a lot of the capital gains that you would get hit with. So, for instance, if you sold your house, they're going to look at your basis. So your basis starts the day you purchase the house. Right. So when you purchased the house, it was worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now you're selling it; it is worth a million. Right. So that difference you're going to pay capital gains taxes on. But if you do an exchange for another home that's a million dollars, no capital gains taxes
0: righty, Fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm quite sure a lot, uh, few people in the audience, at least a lot of them, will uh, take that under advice.
1: Yeah, take Next. a look at it. Like I said, this is informational purchase purposes only. I can't offer advice until, in, unless I really did a long intake with you. But just off of, from what the information you gave me, This would be if if I was selling a property to buy another property and I was selling a a residential home to buy another residential home, I would use this 1031 exchange. okay? Um, Okay. but I would talk to my tax attorney about it because he's going to make sure your paperwork is filled out properly and that and that you do get the credit that you're deserved for doing this exchange. Um, Some people some people sell a house. Right. They get hit with capital gains. And then, a year, you know, uh, six months later, they go buy a house. Well, the 1031 has rules also where you can actually hold the money. I don't know how long I think each state might be different. It's something you might have to look at. This is a, 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 a this is a federal exchange rule, but I would take a look at it. I don't know if different states have different rules on this. Obviously, like I said, it's a federal rule, so the state shouldn't really have any bearing on it. But I would talk to my tax, my local tax attorney about this because you can hold the money. You don't have to do it immediately. There is a amount of time you can hold the money before you do the next purchase. And I, I don't know the exact amount of time you can do it. Okay. But.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But yeah, but this is the way to do it. And these are and these are things that you'll learn from a financial advisor or a tax attorney is that, you know, I had a guy in Century City had a $5 million apartment, call it a condo apartment, over in Century City. And he wanted to buy a home in Beverly Hills. Right? So he wants to take this, because he said, I don't need to live in Century City anymore. I just want a house with a yard, et cetera. So he takes this, He sells it, does the exchange, um, and the money he had left over that wasn't exchangeable, he put it in a charitable remainder trust because he had to pay interest on that, had to pay capital gains on it, I'm sorry, put in a charitable remainder trust. Then he took out a life insurance policy to make up for the money he put in the trust. So this is another this is another strategy we use, and this is not for anybody to do. This is informational purposes only. So in the charitable remainder trust, basically, he's giving the money away to a charity right now. Right. So the wife, if something happens, let's say he gave two hundred thousand dollars away in the charitable uh, in the remainder trust. When he dies, the two thousand dollars goes out to the charity. The life insurance was two hundred two hundred thousand dollars, so the money he gave away the wife made it back on the life insurance it's almost like he didn't give anything away
0: ah okay okay
1: right so there's 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 replacement investments there's all kind of planning that we do uh, the more money you have, the more intricate these plans get and um Mainly. For the wealthy people, they have a higher tax burden, so what they're generally trying to do is lower their tax burden. They're not trying to not pay taxes. They know they have to pay taxes, but they don't want to do something that would incur more taxes than they should pay. So the objective is not to overpay in taxes, not to avoid taxes, but not to overpay in taxes. That's where your tax attorney comes in and uh, your financial advisor comes in.
0: Makes sense. Okay. All right. So, being a black father, let's go back to to why we're here. All right. Being a black father and what that taught you. And what did, I mean, what, let's go back and and, and speak to that again. Yeah. Being a black father, what else did it teach you?
1: So what it taught me was, wow, you, you really. This the more you, the more you ask the question, it seems like the deeper it gets. It gets a little deeper, right? Well, um, project
0: manager, at <laughs> very detail. I'm a critical person. Every time
1: you guy. ask it, it gets more intense. Um, yeah. So one thing it taught me is that I need to present this young man with good role models. So you you would find us at least once a month in a museum, uh, looking at. You know, some black artists in the museum over at the Getty or the LA County Museum of Art
0: right. um,
1: or at the Broad. Um, and the funny thing about this, uh, it's funny, I took my son to the Broad and over to uh the Getty Center. uh Weems, I, do you know Weems? The photographer from Harlem?
0: No, I'm not familiar with him.
1: No. Okay she uh you should check it out because she 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 did some in her apartment and the apartments look like the, the 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 uh the apartment that that we that we had when we were over on 149th Street in Broadway um Carrie Mae Weems
0: all right Carrie um, Mae Weems
1: so when I I showed him well I didn't show him any this this is a remarkable thing right so my son is 12 years old now we go in We're seeing a lot of different artists over at the Getty. They usually have different buildings with different floors with different artists. We're seeing a lot of different artists. When we went in to see the Carrie Mae Weems work, and we did a guided tour, so the, the young lady's telling us about the photographs. I'm looking at him, and he's stopping, and he's looking. And, like, one of the photographs has a mother at the table doing makeup with her daughter, a little black girl. And he's getting close and he's looking and he's looking and me personally, I don't know what he's looking at or what he's looking for. I'm just glad that he's seeing these images of these black women, um, doing everyday things. And, 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 you know, this, uh, they have, they're eating dinner at the table. She's looking at a mirror. One of them, she's doing the daughter's hair. Um, I think we get so out of touch with who we are that, and, and, you know, a lot of this trash that's on the radio and rap music that when you see something like this, it almost looks foreign. It's like, why, why aren't they twerking in the video? I mean, in the, in the, in the picture, like why, you know what I mean? You, You get so inundated with this nonsense, nonsensical cultural, uh, these cultural images that are nonsensical and and useless that you think that's what the culture is. So artists like Carrie Mae Weems and, and some other black artists, um, Romare Beardan, and and, and some artists that really show just, you know, that black people can be artistic and, and live a good life and not carry guns and shoot each other and twerk every five minutes. You know, I think, we owe it to our children to, to present them with good images, good role models. I think we need to be good role models. I think we need to present them with good role models. You can't ride around in your car listening to Sexy Red and expect for your child not to repeat that stuff.
0: <laughs> who is that? Okay, I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't know if Sexy Red oh, but You don't know ahead. who it is. It's a look, you, next things. time you we talk,
1: you'll wish I never told you about the- <laughs>
0: you'll say,
1: I wish you <laughs> told me about that one
0: okay okay
1: but so as a father you 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 know your responsibility changes you know you you have a responsibility you you cannot listen i don't care if you're a gangster or you're a bank robber or whatever if you know the outcome of your circumstances why would you raise your children to do the same thing right you can you can raise your children to be better than you right another thing Is that allowing the public school to raise your children is a no-no I mean they're there to teach your children not to raise them it's it's up to you to send your children to school respectful non-aggressive with a language that you know without the cursing and you know um, and as a father it's it's your job to make sure that that's how they represent you when they get there. Now, we go go back to the financial planning aspect. Nobody's financial planning for a kid who's going to turn out to be a gang member, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't, you know, if you if you're raising a kid that's going to be in juvie, there's no financial plan that can save them, right? But if you're raising a child to be smart, intelligent, uh, be a, 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 a important part of this this American fabric, then you should start saving because it it, it does cost money, right? It's not it, it you know college costs money, uh, medical bills cost money. Uh, you got to look at a different perspective, you know. Okay. You gotta look at it different. You gotta look at you gotta look at life different.
0: I know one thing. Uh, you know, going back to role models, which I think is a turning point in a lot of our kids' uh, lives. All right, if you look at the school system post uh, desegregation, mm-hmm. there are no role models. There are very few black male teachers. Very few. Mm-hmm. Okay, and. I've always uh, said, and I say it until I, I kick off, is that desegregation led to, we got the disadvantage. We, got, we didn't get the benefits of desegregation. What we got was a breakdown of the family unit. Okay? And you got to understand what our kids are going through, and I'm just adding on a little bit from my perspective is that the kids now, if you go to the schools, they don't, the majority of the female teachers are white female. Right. Okay, and what do they have culturally, you know, uh, for us? I mean, they look at us as, you know, we're strangers, we're alien, we're, you know. And that trans, you know, that's that. you know, I think that is a key thing in terms of you know, people growing up, you know, black people I'm referring to, that have to face this when they go to school, all right? And they are the most likely to be put in detention, they're the most likely to put in uh, special education, they're the most likely to be suspended. Where do you think that's coming from, uh, okay? Like it's coming I, like from a said, systemic risk. I could risk.
1: be the wrong person to ask.
0: I know, I know, I'm just putting that in there. <laughs> but I just want people to know that this is my research, I'm only looking at the research
1: yeah but um, I
0: understand well you're' a, you're a financial advisor, you well, and looking well at
1: I'm always going to start at home. I'm always going to start at home, right? If you show me a bad kid, introduce me to his parents, and I'll show you what the problem is. Okay. right. I'm not going to start at the school system because all these problems that i'm that I'm hearing from you, they all start at home. You know by the time you get ready to go to school, it should be yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. That's it. I agree. What, what, what really else do you have to say in school? I agree. You know, but when you're when when you when you listening to this music and MF this and F that and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, I'm looking at a YouTube video the other day with a lady saying, okay, boys and girls, please calm down. And the little kid, F you. Whose kid is that? <laughs> uh, you're talking about a four-year-old kid. You know? This wow. and, and you show and, and we go right to the house with the mother and the father and they're probably all doing the same thing. So you know, um, it 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 does take a village. You know the old African proverb: "It do, it does take a village to raise a child." But nowadays, if the village says something to the child and he goes and tell the mother, then the mother wants to come out and beat that person up. You know. Mm-hmm. But it does take a village. When I was young and I was walking down the street and I was saying some stuff I shouldn't have said, my neighbor came out and said, Is that you? I was like, Uh oh. I didn't say That's right. go back in the house, M effer, da 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 da. <clears throat> Are you kidding? I my mom would have I, I would have been living in the garage. If okay. if I would have been living on the property.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, well, I mean, you're you're not here to you know look at the social ills and you know you're not that's not why we have this series. We want no to. no no
1: no. But 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 I, what I'm saying is, and we and we talked about this last time. When you have a child, you are that child's first role model. You want to talk about financial planning? Okay. When the child sees you with a plan and you follow through with the plan, your child will start to follow you. I don't care what the intelligence level is. The average child who is who who obviously doesn't have a mental defect will follow the mother and father. They want to be like them. They will tell you at three years old, I want to be like dad. I want to be big and strong. I want to do this. Well, guess what? Dad also has a budget Dad also goes to work. Maybe mom, maybe he comes home and gives mom his check and mom runs the house. The child needs to see this. You know, we're putting this money away here. Take your child to the bank with you. My mother used to take me to the bank. This is your this is your savings account. Put money in here. When you get money for your birthday, we bring it here. And as this grows, then you can go get that bike you want or that moped, or whatever it is. Right? That's, that's where you start. That's who your role models are. I didn't grow up with Superman and Batman being my role models. My mother and father. Yeah, you know? Because I they understand. they led by example.
0: Well, let me tell you uh, one thing. Uh, guess who my role models were? Who? Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. Bob Newhart. Mm-hmm. All right, the Jeffersons, Right. All right? Because I was raised by my my grandma. Yeah. She went to the second grade. Okay. Okay. But she instilled in us the that we had to work hard for whatever we got. Right. All right. But as far as a male role model, it was Dick Van Dyke and Bob Newhart.
1: Now why why didn't you have any role models in the community?
0: Well, I did have teachers. Mm-hmm. But they didn't live the lifestyle that I saw Dick Dick uh, Van Dyke and Bob Newhart live on TV, which was right. fixed, totally fictional. Right. But it was symbolic to me in the sense that this is where I want to be. I want to be right. in New if York I City. I want that. an apartment in the sky. Right.
1: Yeah. If I all this get kind that. of stuff. Yeah.
0: And that was my motivator. That's what drove me. Right. Okay. So you know I have to give them credit because that's where I got it from. And The men in my family. With the exception of a few were mostly, you know, growing up down south, you know, they were heavy drinkers. Right. Okay? And so I didn't have within my family uh, a, a, a male role model, per se. Well, I look, love my, you know, my uncles and, and yeah. all this kind of stuff, but
1: uh, my no, role
0: models were them.
1: Now think about it. So now you said Dick Van Dyke and... Um,
0: Bob, Bob Newhart.
1: Newhart. Right. Now look, now look, nowadays, if you ask a young kid african-american kid who his role model is you might get a lebron james you might you might not but you're gonna get these rappers future drake Boosie, you know these people and then you listen to the songs you're like how could this possibly be your role model like if you do everything that's in some of these songs (laughs) you're gonna do life in prison
0: I know mean it's sad, that's sad,, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 I see yeah,
1: like like I like when when we were growing up, um some of the songs, the message, public enemy, they were about staying out of prison. These songs nowadays, if you i I can play you one song where if you did the first two things he raps about on that song, you'd be in prison for the rest of your life <laughs>
0: it's not a It's not a laughing matter it's true
1: no, it's 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 destruction of a culture, and so when we talk about financial planning you you cannot possibly you know I spoke to some people this weekend in Inglewood, like I said, and they oh, I want to get my son involved in this, I want to get my son involved in that. You can't wake up one day when your son is thirteen years old and walking around with his pants hanging down and you know. His hair is not combed and he's talking to himself or rapping to himself. Now, all of a sudden, you want to get him involved in a financial planning uh, academy. It doesn't work that way. You have to start when these kids are young. You know, by the time your kid is 13, 14 years old, you, you, you're probably gonna have to bring somebody in to help discipline them in Israel. Because I like to look at different cultures. In Israel, once you graduate high school, you got to do two years in the military. Mandatory.
0: I wish we had that here. I really do.
1: Man, if we had that here, it'd be so sweet. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. A lot of of lives would be saved, for one. Absolutely. A lot of lives would be saved. Um, Between drugs and homicides and and gun violence, we would save so many lives if we had that here. Um, Second of all... We just have to get back to talking to our children about the things that matter. Right. We need to get back to. And I was talking to these people in Inglewood, that they really have their hand on the pulse of African-American culture. And um, one thing that a lady said to me, she said, you know, we don't eat dinner together anymore. Hmm. Yes, that's deep. Right. We don't eat dinner together anymore. So that means. The financial conversations that I had with my family during dinner, the conversations about the sports teams we were going to play on during dinner, conversations about school, schoolwork, who you had a crush on, what was going on in school, how you were planning on buying that BMX bicycle. All those conversations you had with your parents during dinner, they don't exist anymore. Everybody's eating Uber Eats or running in and grabbing a burrito and running out the house. In our community, we don't sit down and have dinner every night anymore.
0: Okay, well, yeah, that, that is a key factor, and why we so, uh, the, you know, how, what's the word? What's the term I'm looking for? So we are so scattered. We're not all on the same path.
1: Yeah, se. we're um, we're uh, we're nomadic. We become nomadic. Um, even dogs eat together. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and lions,
0: right? And lions, they eat together.
1: They, they eat okay. together. You know, we, we, we've we become so nomadic that we don't... You know, and that's where that, you know, you want to talk about financial planning. That's where it starts. It starts at the dinner table with mom and dad. You know, mom, what made you go to college? Well, we, how did you get in school? You, you said you, your father didn't have any money. How'd you do it? You know, these y- your parents... Have a story that, that, you know, as children, you should be listening. You should ask them. You should ask. I, used, I have a videotape somewhere in my house where I, I interviewed my grandfather for about three hours. Wow. Because I wanted to get all the knowledge. You know, I knew he was going to pass away. He was old. You know, he's an old man, but he told me everything. Started out in Georgia, you know, um, in the fields, you know, wound up coming to New Jersey with no education. This is on my mother's side no education i uh, worked at the atlantic city racetrack uh was a uh i don't know what he was a, a porter cleanup guy whatever at the racetrack got involved with some people and started doing some other stuff on the side but you know just the whole story on on how he you know he raised these kids and and my mother had a master's degree. My uncle had a master's degree. My aunt had a master's degree. All from a guy who was a porter at a racetrack.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, anything that you want to address specifically before we close out?
1: Yeah. Um, what I do want to address specifically is that, you know, just kind of getting back on the, on the subject, is that, You know, having a child does does require some planning. Uh, You know, I would say to look into, if you can't afford whole life insurance, talk to an insurance provider, broker, salesperson, and look into maybe a term plan, because you want to cover your what you would so what you would give the family you want to cover at least until the child's out of college right so for instance if if i make a hundred thousand dollars a year and i can look at my child's my child wants to go to ucla and i know that's going to cost let's call it sixty five thousand dollars a year for four years right I need to take that that uh $260,000 and I need to find me a term insurance policy. So if anything were to happen to me, he would still have that money to be able to go to college. Right? Right. That's that's one way of planning. This is not financial advice. These are strictly suggestions and information for you to if you want to call me or if you want to call Walt and get more information about it, or go to my website, but I, I believe as a financial planner that you should at least have enough term insurance to cover the child's college. So anything were to happen to you before that child graduated from college, say, you know what, my dad took care of me, he passed away, but he left me enough money to finish school.
0: Okay, all right, very good. And uh, what, what is your, your website address?
1: So it's Richardsonwealthmanagement.com, or you could email me directly at Walt at Richardsonwealthmanagement.com.
0: All right. Okay. Um, uh, I want to thank you for coming on to the Walt Weekly. and uh, this is our third episode together. And I tell you, yours is at the top in terms of you know downloads.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate right. I appreciate it. I you know what you and Michelle is ha, have made this very uh very family like and i appreciate you know um what the, the way you approach this and, and how you uh ask the questions and, and, and how you know uh you give me some some uh insight and perspective and it's it's just been a pleasure working with you
0: okay all right thank you Walter Uh, And that's Walt Richardson uh, Next time And and we're doing This is part three of a series The next episode That uh, Walt wants to speak about Is The top five ways Minority owned businesses Can help Out And uplift Other minority businesses That'll be our next episode And uh, Hey We have a subject matter expert here And we're going to try to get Everything out of him from him to you, all right? Okay. And this is Walter Latham again. I'm the host of The Walt Weekly, and you can contact us at the Walt Weekly at gmail.com, uh, or the social media sites at The Walt Weekly. That's for Instagram and uh, Facebook, and also please, you know, follow us uh, on on Facebook. You know, we have a uh, uh, a Facebook page called The Walt Weekly podcast and i tell you it's a lot of traffic on that site all right so i'm going to end with that and uh like also to add that mr richardson will be back with that episode about how black businesses can help each other and with that thank you very much have a good day and walt take care we'll speak soon thank you all right i'm gonna take this off record now all right